0: Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. This is your host, Jay dub I'm back. It's mid-October. Here to talk college fantasy football and just college football in general. At least we're getting into that point in the season where these games matter. We're starting to get some rivalry matchups and big games. So talk about all that on the flip side. Oh! This is America. Don't get you slipping on no. hey! Don't catch you slipping now. Yeah, yeah. Look what I'm whipping them. No. Woo! What a weekend. Some really good games. And if you were up too late from the East Coast, you probably missed it. But it started off a Thursday night with some tip drills. Too bad neither of the teams have much at stake. And then Friday night, Coach Prime even talked this up. It said he did not like playing at night. And sure enough, his team did not like playing at night. They went into halftime of the game against Stanford at home, up 29-0. And when most of us woke up the next morning to look at the final score, Stanford had won, upset the Buffaloes with the 20-plus point favorites in Colorado in overtime, 46-43. What happened? It was incredible. First off, Stanford, not known for explosive plays, had a litany of them in the second half an unknown receiver who I'll get to in a little bit, exploded for 13 catches, 295 yards, three TDs, and did it against mostly against Travis Hunter, who will be playing on Sundays at cornerback. Mark my words, he is an amazing player. He's probably a top five pick. So this wasn't just a fluky thing. This was just Stanford getting hot. I've watched a few of their games. I really like their new offense. It's much more spread them out. It's modern, basically. It's what most colleges have been running. David Shaw, under his tenure- which started under Harbaugh. They were smash mouth. They won where they had strength, which is able to recruit really big, strong linemen, both on the offensive, defensive line, tight ends. They could get some big boy running backs. And they just lined up hat on hat and would move you off the ball. But this, this team is much more interesting. They move the ball around. They try to hit you with chunk plays. They've got a running quarterback, which is a first for them. So they're really trying to be more this option spread style, and that's how they were able to score forty six. Honestly, I that a game like I don't think they win a game like that in the Shaw era. They just wouldn't have been able to do it. But then again, the Shaw era they weren't giving up forty three points very often. So, what a game there! I have to say, you know that there's already some stuff out there that like Shadir Sanders at halftime was dropping merchandise promotional uh, social media posts but come on these guys are kids they were up 29 uh nothing and yeah probably shouldn't have been doing that but okay move on to the next one by last week living on the edge team the university of southern california trojans finally succumbed to their uneven play and were blown out soundly blown out by notre dame yes notre dame is good but don't forget they're coming off a of sound beating themselves by louisville So SC still has a shot at the title. They've only got one loss. They got to run the table. They still got some tough Pac-10 or Pac-12 opponents in the uh, last season of the conference, but they've been up and looking good. Their offensive line's pretty, pretty poor. Defense is up and down. Caleb Williams had his first three interception game as a Trojan. He also is the only reason why they're in that game, single-handedly making some incredible plays. He and the offensive weapons, the receivers in particular, are pretty special but uh, it doesn't look like SC is going to be in the the playoff this year. So who stood out? Who are the teams that just, for me, at least stood out? I didn't see every single game, but the ones that stood out to me, University of Washington. Look, Oregon lost this one, in my opinion, by some poor coaching decisions, not going for that field goal instead of running around and running out the clock. Maybe it's Bo Nix's fault. But it, to me, it the coach has got to call it a quick out and then kick a field goal there at the end of the half. And then um poor decision there at the end as well, not getting the field goal. So they lose by less than a field goal, but Washington's really good. They have played a decent schedule, it was a great game. So I think they it puts them this winning this game puts them in a great position. They're gonna be a top five team from here on out. We've got a couple of tough games left, but they could run it. The, don't never underestimate the Apple Cup, which is the game against Washington State. Washington State looks really good this year as well. So that's gonna be a tough battle. But Washington looked good. And the University of North Carolina. Nobody's talking about them undefeated, just like Washington. Nobody's talking about Mac Brown. He's been there, done that. And they've got a top two or three quarterback, probably a top, definitely top five NFL draft prospect at quarterback in Drake May. They're now six and oh, they soundly beat Miami. They've got a surprisingly good Duke rivalry matchup coming up and then Clemson at home. But beyond that, they could easily run the table and, and exit the regular season undefeated and then have that the, the conference title game. Which will be a tough matchup against whoever they end up playing. So, anyhow, who are the remaining unbeaten? So let's talk about that: Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, University of Washington, Florida State, UNC, Penn State, Oklahoma, and let's throw Air Force for good measure. They're they're in the top twenty five AP poll as of this week, and a sound six and zero. Oh. Going back to my original thinking of who's living on the edge, I'm going to put out two teams in there. One I almost put in last week. Actually, had a pretty solid week this week, but I think they're living on the edge and they're due. And that's the Buckeyes from Ohio. Um, they've looked mediocre in almost all of their games, particularly in the first half. They've been pulling uh, team pulling away late and boat racing teams. But let's see what happens when they face Penn State and Michigan. Those games are coming up. It's not going to be easy. Can't just play a half ass game in the first half and expect to win those games. There's going to be some interesting games coming up in the big, whatever they call themselves now. Still the Big Ten, but it's 18 teams. So in those games, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, those teams are going to be knocking each other off. So not all of them will be undefeated as we round into mid to late November. And the other one is Alabama. So everyone's going to talk about this week. Oh, they got their running game back. They were grounding, grinding out. But let's not forget, they played Arkansas, a pretty mediocre SEC team at home, and they won 24-21. They're just not winning the way we've accustomed to winning. So yes, are they five and one? Yes, they are five and one. Solid. They're still in the mix. But And really, that one loss was the Texas. Good team. So it's not a big deal. But if they get tripped up again, two losses, it's going to be tough. And I just don't see this team, their quarterback does not seem, he's a good player. He's athletic. He's not an NFL player. He has one read, run kind of pr- progression. Just, I wouldn't be putting my cards in his basket. I just don't think they have the talent at the skill positions right now. I don't see, the running backs aren't special like they had been for really the entire decade of the 2010s. I don't see any surefire first round picks at wide receiver. Their tight end, Amari kneeblack that guy looks good and they need to use him more. seems like every time they go to him, he makes a 20 or 30 yard play. He's got a handful of touchdowns on very few targets this year. He might be someone special. He could be a first round type talent in the NFL, but they're just not, I don't know. There's something about them. They're winning, they're squeaking by, but they're squeaking by kind of mediocre teams. We're talking South Florida, Arkansas, and others. They haven't had any really sound. I guess they beat Ole Miss fairly soundly. And then they played a tough Texas team, but Texas soundly beat them. So I just, I'm down on them. They're living on the edge in my book. So who's gonna win the title? Look, I, if I gotta, you gonna put a gun to my head right now? I'm going with Georgia. They they have the most talent. They have the momentum. We're talking two straight years of winning the title. If you look at the rest of their schedule, it's not hard. They've got Tennessee and Ole Miss left. Tennessee's on the road. Ole Miss is at home. Those are both beatable teams. The rest of the teams are are not ranked and not that difficult. They're gonna roll in their division of the sec and then they'll have the sec championship game which is gonna be tough but it looks like they could be undefeated lose the sec championship game and probably still get in the playoff and i like them against anybody they're just very soundly coached that team's in its prime they want to win three in a row which hadn't been done in a long time so that's my pick okay let's transition over to college fantasy football we're getting to that stage of the year where the best free agent targets are really emerging interclassmen or or players that are getting playing time because the result of an injury. Um, But still, shockingly, I'm finding a lot of guys that are available in 70, 80. Most of the guys I'm picking here, by the way, this week were available in 80 plus percent of leagues. But there's a few that are on that borderline. I'm shocked. Some of these guys have been on my list for several weeks. Obviously, I'm not having the impact I would like. But you should be seriously look at these guys. Most of these guys should be started in every league. I'll kick it off at quarterback I got two quarterbacks. First one is Wisconsin transfer Graham Mertz at Florida. He's owned by 14% of fantasy leagues. So he's available in 86% of leagues. He's settled in and been a consistent performer. Florida's not a, a world beater, but they got talent. He's in a 23 overall fantasy quarterback through seven weeks. So look, if you're in a 10, 11 uh, team league, he's a great backup, bi-week filler. If you're playing in super flex, which you should be, by the way, then he should start in just about any league with 10 plus teams. Big fan of Graham Mertz has been consistent. Next is Kyron Drones, Virginia Tech. He's owning 7% of leagues. So he's available in 93% of leagues. He's putting up great dual threat numbers. I I get it. It's in relative obscurity at Virginia Tech, but don't let that fool you. In my opinion, he's worth starting in just about any league format. Again, you got to have the numbers. He's in the 20s in terms of his productivity so far, but he's been getting better I think he's got some games ahead of him. He can put up some really big numbers. So take a look at him. And running back, I've got one familiar name because he's been on here many weeks and one new name. The, I'll start with the new name. Jonah Coleman, Arizona. He's owned by 14% of leagues. So he's available at 86% of the leagues. Coleman has come on strong the last few weeks as Arizona soundly beat Washington State this week and nearly upset USC last week. He's a bit, or maybe it's two weeks they played, three weeks ago they played SC, but Coleman's a big part of that. He's a versatile back. He's getting a ton of touches in the in the passing game, putting up putting up numbers. Just had a big week, but it's consistently been been scoring more and more. Should be on your radar. Ideally, if you need a running back for a flex, again for the bye weeks that are coming up or injuries, he's a guy to look at as he's been part of this resurgence of the the Wildcat program. Next is a Virginia Tech back, Bashul Tuton. Tuton had another fifteen point fantasy week. He's now the fourteenth overall fantasy college running back. And he remains available in 77% of leagues. He's only owned by 23% of leagues. So big time, look at him. He's keep getting touches, keeps playing. He's in that offense with Kyron Drones where they're doing a lot of read option, which opens up holes for Tootin and obviously supports Drones running ability as well. So look at him. Receiver, I got two guys, Silas Bolden. He was on this list a couple of weeks back. He's from Oregon State. He's still only owned by 27% of teams. He's continued to put up big numbers in a dynamic Oregon State offense, so go get him. And then honorary mentioned this guy probably shouldn't be on in too many leagues, but he had a huge game. He's going to be on a lot of people's radar. It's Stanford wide receiver Elik Oyo Manor. I can't pronounce his name. It's A-Y-O-M-A-N-O-R. He's owned in 3% of leagues, so he's available effectively in every single league. He, he pretty much upset Colorado on his own. 13-catch, 295 yards, 3-TD performance. If you watch Center, you saw that incredible play where he caught the ball in Travis Hunter's head effectively to win the game. Awesome, awesome game. He did it throughout in all phases. He's a great blocker. He hit the home run play, 97-yard touchdown. He had another big play, had made plays in traffic. I think at the next level, he's probably going to play. He's a big guy, but he's more of a possession-type guy. He's not a speedster. So he looks real. So I would consider picking him up and, and pretty much all leagues, but I'll wait a couple of weeks to see if he's if Sanford is gonna be able to consistently feed him the ball. And the last tight end, Jack Velling, he's on here again from last week, Oregon State. seeing some themes here. We got two Oregon State guys, two, two Va Tech guys. This guy had a great, I called him last week and he responded with 83 yard game and two TDs and another beaver cat victory. He's now a top three college fantasy football tight end so far in terms of scoring this year. So everyone needs a tight end. Go get this guy. Okay. On that note, I wish you all a great week, another great week of college football ahead, and take care. Bye-bye. Before we leave, let me tell y'all a little something. Uptown, funky up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funky up, uptown, funky, uptown, funky I said, up. Step uptown.